you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to read two short portions of Scripture. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, and then we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel 20, verse 11. It's good to see my wife here this morning in the house of God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And the Bible says, are you there? Say amen. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 20, verse 11, And Jonathan said unto David, Come and let us go out into the field. And they went out, both of them, into the field. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my, my father about tomorrow any time or the third day, and behold, if there be good toward David, and I then send not unto thee, and show it thee, the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do thee evil, then I will show it to thee and send thee away, that thou mayest go in peace, and the Lord be with thee as he has been with my father. And thou shalt not only, while, I, while yet I live, show me the kindness of the Lord that I die not, but also that thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. Know not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. Amen. I want you to turn with me over to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Amen. Starting with verse 1. And this is a fulfillment of what just took place. As Jonathan and David made a covenant. He said, if my family is cut off whenever you come to be the king, make sure you show kindness unto us and my family. And the Bible says, and David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Are you Ziba? And he said, the ser Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show, show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Makur, the son of Emil, in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Makur, the son of Emil, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee. All the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And the Bible says in verse 13, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. 
Let us pray this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come here and be in a worship service and enjoy the presence of God and the praise unto you for what you've done in our lives. You truly do create the fruit of the lips. God, you put a song of praise in our heart. It's a song of the redeemed, Lord, and I'm thankful today, Lord, that we can sing unto the King of glory. Lord, I just pray as we break open the bread of life, Lord, and as you've spoken to my heart this word, that you will speak it to this people today and you will help me, Lord, that my mind will be clear, that I won't be scattered, Lord, and Lord, that my thoughts will not be anything but fluid, Father God, and free, Lord, in my mind, Lord, that I won't struggle. But God, I pray that you help me today, Lord. And you touch me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. And Lord, bring the anointing that makes preaching effective and encourage each and every one in here, wherever they're at, Father, today. And we will give you all the glory for, Lord, you alone are worthy. You alone, you alone are worthy today. And we thank you. And we ask this blessing in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I'm preaching today here a thought entitled, A Covenant That's Been Fulfilled. And that's what I'm preaching today, a covenant that is fulfilled. And in all honesty, God stirred this message as I was in prayer yesterday, uh, praying and interceding for parents that have backslidden children away from God. The Lord put on me some time ago, He said, you know, your children are serving God, and He said, you need to labor in prayer and intercede for those that are in the church that have children that are not serving God, that are away from God, you know, because... Uh, you know, they desire that uh, more than, than you even know. Uh, and so the Lord put that on my heart. But I just want to give you a little hope today. Years ago, uh, when I was reconnected with my dad in uh, 1991, I remember him telling me because I had become saved. I'd gotten saved about a year prior to reconnecting with him. And uh, he, he said to me, son, he said, you're the beginning of God's promise to me. He said, uh, I laid you and your brother and your sister when you were just babies, when you were just little kids, two and three years old, four years old, on the altar. And he said, God made me a promise when I was a young evangelist. He said, I wasn't able to see you kids, and, and there was a lot of circumstances involved in that, but I'm not here to get into that. I'm just here to say that he told me, I laid you on the altar. What I had no control over, God controlled. Amen. And I placed you on that altar. And he said, today, he said, you're serving God. Today, your brother is serving God. And at that time, you know, he said, your sister's coming. And I thought, Lord, that is such an awesome thing. And God said, I want you to give the people hope today that I have kept my promise to your dad. And I will keep my promise to them. Did he not say in the book of Acts that you and your household would be saved? You've got to hold on to that promise today. Whether it's a son or a daughter. Whether it's a mother or a father. Whether it's a grandchild. Whether it's whoever it may be. A parent. Whatever. You need to pray and seek the face of God. And hold on to those promises. Because that's what God promises us. We don't want anybody not to go to heaven. Amen. I don't want anybody to be separated from I don't want anybody to go to hell but I certainly you know I want them to enjoy and experience the joys of salvation because there's nothing like serving God amen there's no joy there's no peace there's no blessing there's no satisfaction
action like serving God and living for God. It's an awesome thing. And you, when you have experienced God in such a way and this great salvation, you want everybody to have what you've got. Amen. That's why we go out into all the world and we preach the gospel because there's so many that are lost and undone. But we serve a God who said, I'm going to pull those treasures out of darkness. I'm going to bring those treasures out of darkness. I'm going to save those that are are lost and undone. The prodigal will come home. Amen. The prodigal will come home. Now in our text in 1 Samuel 20, Jonathan makes a covenant with David to always remember his family. In chapter 18, verse 4, Jonathan knew David was anointed to be king. Thus why he stripped himself of his robe, his sword, his bow, and his girdle. What he was saying is, David, you're the next one to be king. I know that. Even though I'm Saul's son, you're God's choice. You're God's choice. Even though though, you you know, it, it, it may appear that I'm the next one to be king, but what he was saying is, I see the anointing upon your life. I see the hand of God upon your life. And he began to disrobe himself and he said, you are to be the next king, was what he was in essence saying. And so he surrendered his everythings. And I want to tell you today, parents, when you begin to surrender your everythings, when you begin to come down and surrender your will, and your method and your way of trying to reach out to your children and make them serve God when you surrender that and you put them in the hands of God you leave it in God's hands and He makes a covenant and He will fulfill His covenant to bring His children home David is a type of Christ as king and shepherd Amen and just as David kept His promise even greater is our God who is a covenant-keeping God unto a thousand generations. He's still keeping covenant. He's still keeping covenant. And in Isaiah 24, the Bible says, it's a description of the earth today, but in Isaiah 24 verse 5, he says, the earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, thy laws, changed thy ordinances, and broken the everlasting covenant. We live in a day and a time where there is a godless generation that has rejected the truths of God. They've rejected everything they've even taken the covenants that God made and they've twisted them and made them something else God didn't create the rainbow for the homosexual or LBGTQ community or people so that they could use that as a symbol that's not their symbol that's God's symbol that he gave to Noah and he said I'll never destroy the earth again by water it's my covenant to you but we see this generation that's turned these things and God said you know he's going to pour out his wrath but the God of heaven is a covenant keeper to his people amen because it says in Isaiah 54 10 for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed but my kindness shall not depart from thee neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee in another scripture in Isaiah 55 3 He said, incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with 
you even the sure mercies of David. And we know in Hebrews 13, he said, we thank God for the everlasting covenant in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We have a covenant that Christ has made with us. And we can stand upon that promise that He will, amen, He will redeem, He will reconcile. That's exactly what Paul the Apostle wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. All things are passed away. All things become new. He said they've been reconciled back to God. And he said you've been reconciled. And you have a reconciliation ministry. God is in the business of reconciling people back unto himself. What a hope. What a hope. So Jonathan makes this covenant with David. And you fast forward 20, 25 years. Because Mephibosheth was five years old in chapter 4 of 2 Samuel when Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle and he was dropped and his, his paralyzed his legs. He was lame. Had to have had a spinal injury. And he was lame because he was dropped. But if you fast forward from the covenant that David made with Jonathan into where our text comes to in the ninth chapter of the second book of Samuel. You see that um, when Jonathan and Saul were killed, Mephibosheth was about five years old. David reigned for approximately 15 years before he begins to say, can I show kindness to anybody in Saul's house? And he remembers the covenant that he made with Jonathan. Is there anyone left that I may show kindness to from, how, from the house of Saul for Jonathan's sake. I love that. He never said it for Saul, but he said for Jonathan's sake. I made a covenant with that man. Amen. He made a covenant with me. He stepped aside. He said, but he made a covenant with me and I made a covenant with him. And he remembers that covenant David did. What we learn here is our prayers are immortal. I say that all the time because there are people sitting here today and your parents passed away, but God got a hold of you even after they were gone. Amen. Or maybe perhaps that wasn't your case, but you knew somebody. There are prayers that are prayed that just because they're not answered in the time frame that we want them to be answered doesn't mean God is not going to answer them. He's a prayer answering God. So prayers are immortal. Prayers are immortal. Amen. They live forever till God fulfills them. That's an awesome promise that we have. And so he remembers this covenant. Parents, I want you to be encouraged today. And let this be an encouragement to you that your prayers do not fall to the ground. There will come a day and a moment when they will be fulfilled. They will be fulfilled. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's only son. He was completely paralyzed from the waist down. He was living, the Bible says, in Lodabar, which means a pastureless place. It was a desolate place. It was a wasteland. It was a desert. It was a place he got as far away from David as possible because new kings always killed the previous kings and their family to make sure that they stomped out and stamped out any rebellion. Isn't that just like the devil? He wants to try to 
began to blot out the very creation of God and the living souls that He's created upon this earth. I can tell you because the God we serve and the Christ in us is the enemy. He's our enemy. But I can tell you that devil's enemy is Christ. And Christ in you. You hear me. That's why He hates us. Amen. A lot of times we get attacked. People say, you know, it's just an attack. You know, I say, I know because the devil hates you. You hearing me? But Mephibosheth was living in Lodabar. In a pastureless place. A desert, a wasteland. As far away from David because of fear. He was scared to death. If I ever come in contact with him, he's going to take my life. That's the way he thought. You know, that's the way a lot of people think. They have this viewpoint of God. I know God's a God of judgment, but I want to tell you something right now. We're living in a dispensation, a dispensing of time where God is trying to rescue people. There will come a day and a point where there will be no more rescue. It'll be over. But right now it's a day of grace. It's a dispensing of time. And God is working. He's working. He's working. And, and, and you know, a lot of times I think people would rather see people be judged than them be saved. But the love of God and the grace of God and the desire and heart of God is to save. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He'll go to the ends of the earth for your lost soul. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Thank the Lord today. Mephibosheth's name means shame. Connected with idolatry. The feeling and condition as well as the cause of shame. It also means to blow away or scatter into the corners. That's exactly what the devil's agenda is. To steal, kill, and destroy. And he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus told Peter, Peter, he said, listen to me. He said, the devil desires to sift you like wheat. You've got a pride about you. You've got this confidence. And it's not a confidence in me. It's a confidence in your own strength. But the devil desires to sift you like wheat. He said, but I'm praying for you. Amen. I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. Amen. Amen. I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. That you get back up when you've fallen down. How many knows we serve a God who doesn't throw the clay away? He's not one that's throwing you and kicking you to the side. But He wants to pick you up. My Lord in heaven, I said, God, please talk to me. I want to make sure that I don't preach it. You know, just... I don't want it to preach it too light or preach it too easy. Or he said, you cannot exhaust my love. You cannot exhaust my mercy. You cannot exhaust my grace. He said, you cannot go too uh, you know, heavy on that. He said, yes, I'm a God of judgment, but I sent my only Son. I sent my only begotten Son. He said, I gave everything I had. I gave my very best. You cannot hold back. You've got to preach it and tell them there is hope. You can be saved. You can be freed. You can be delivered. And my God loves you. So when you fall or you fail, people may kick you to the curb. But He said, I'm married to you. 
thank God. I'm married to the backslider. I'm married to the backslider. I wondered sometimes why Paul said, you see a man overtaken in a fault. You that are spiritual, because not everybody's spiritual. They think they are. I learned something from Lee Ship. You, it's not, you're not going to, you're not going to exhaust the grace of God. He said, you show grace, you show love. It's all about restoration, bringing people back. Amen. That's God. That's his love. Well, there's going to come a day. You know, I know hell's being enlarged and there are people that have rejected. There are people that are away from God. There are people that are low, and God loves them. People say, well, you know, they preach too much about love. I said, you can't. You can't preach too much about God's love. That's the only hope we have. It's our hope and glory. You better preach it. My goodness. Because if you preach it another way, then it's works. And I can tell you, I've tried to work it. I've tried to make it happen on my works, and I fail every time. I fail every time, and just whenever I have a couple, you know, I'll, I'll submit to God, and I'll say, Lord, it's your grace. I know it's not works. It's by your grace that I'm saved, lest any man should boast. It's by, it's by grace, amen, that I'm saved through faith, but, and not of works, lest any man should boast. I want to quote it correctly. Uh, you know, and, and I, I get there, and then God will begin to impart his grace and give me his grace, and then you start thinking, you know what, I'm doing good, you know. You start thinking it's you. It's not how much you pray, how much you read. You need to pray. You need to read. You need to fill that spirit man up and build him up every day. You must, or you will fall. You must walk in the spirit not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. But you've got to understand it is by the power of God. It is by the grace of God. I shared it the other day, and I still don't know if people quite got it. I said, we're to crucify this flesh, but listen to me. I said, you have your part, and God steps in, and he does his part by his grace. Yes, we're to mortify the deeds of our body. We're to turn from sin. I said, you get on that cross. When I say it, I'm not talking about dying for your sins and paying the price for your sins to redeem yourself. But he said, crucify yourself. You that are Christ are crucified. You put a nail in those feet. And you put a nail in that left arm. But guess what? You can't nail down the last arm. You cannot plant it and nail it to that cross. That's why you need the grace of God. That's why you need the power of God. So you do what you're called to do. You walk in faith. You live spiritually. You invest and you pray and study and read and you begin to develop in God and you build up yourself on this most holy faith. But there are times amen and things you're going to know amen that you cannot do by discipline. It's strictly by the power of the grace of God in your life and that's the only way you're going to make it by the power of the spirit of God which is his grace so you mortify your deeds and your flesh you bring that under subjection but there have been times I did everything I could possibly do and God said it's by my grace don't ever forget that it's by my grace mighty God by my power Getting back to this, I'm not here today to highlight or glorify the devil, but I'm here to tell you that the most 
Most people have no idea the plots, the schemes, the strategies planned to destroy their lives or their families' lives. There are things that, you know, we don't even realize the enemy is behind it. That's why we've got to pray and we've got to have discernment in this hour. When Mephibosheth, he started young by, and the enemy, the enemy crippled him. He was crippled at a young age. A lot of people have things that happened when they were a kid. They're still battling with it later on in life. Let me tell you something. God didn't call us to live in that. He called us to be victorious. Amen. Amen. Don't talk about where you come from. Talk about where you're going. Amen. Praise God. Your testimony. Yes, this is what God did in my life. But let me tell you where I'm going. Let me tell you what He's doing. Let me tell you what He's done. Amen. I don't want to focus on you know all of the ugliness of the past. But what God's doing in my life. It's a beautiful thing to share that testimony. But Mephibosheth, the devil started very young with him. Going back to this. Then his dad was killed out on the battlefield. Jonathan, the man who submitted himself unto David to God ultimately and begin to relinquish all of the, the, the robe and the sword and the shield and the girdle and everything and said you're the king amen but he died out there on that battlefield can you imagine the things that Mephibosheth felt and the way that he felt I've been crippled since a young boy my dad died when I was a young teenage boy or a young boy I'm sorry five years old or, or, or shortly after but I I I've not been able to experience a relationship with my dad and 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 you know and he had all of these things that happened and then you know the kingdom is 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 shifted and changed um, to where David's king over Israel and so he said I got to get as far away as I can out of fear I want to tell you today church that God amen through this particular passage of scripture there was something that took place years before that John, that uh, Mephibosheth never knew about. He never knew the covenant that Jonathan and David made. He never knew the prayers that were prayed. He never knew the covenant that was made. He didn't know what God had planned for his life. He didn't know that David loved him and he wanted to bless him. He was scared to death of him. I come to tell you today, we've got to pray for our kids because they have a misconception of God. They have a misconception of his love they have a misconception of what he's going to do they live in fear but God wants to turn that around and change their mind and that's what he does whenever you get born again he changes your mind he changes your heart he births your spirit afresh and anew it comes alive Mephibosheth started out as a crippled dad was killed he ends up in a desert completely forgotten. I love this. But one day, one day, a knock came on the door. One day, a knock came on the door. Aren't you thankful for that knock on the heart's door? My God. A knock came on the door in Lodabar, long awaited a covenant that was forgotten. 
in the eyes of a lot of people, God caused David to remember. I love that. God said, tell them parents that have children that are away from God. Tell that husband that has a wife that's not serving God or that wife that has a husband that's not living for God. That mama, that dad that has a daughter or son that's away from God. Tell them today, pray. God is going to knock on their door. God is going to knock on their heart. He's going to come one day. He's going to come one day and he's going to knock on the door of their heart. I remember 1989 driving down the road to go to school in the morning. I had every thought in the world. I was lost without God. I wasn't even backslid. I was lost. I wasn't even saved. I'd never known God. But I'm, I'm going to, to school at, at 7.30 in the morning by myself. And I'm weeping and I'm crying. And I didn't even really know why I was crying or weeping. But I just realized my life is just a mess. I'm going nowhere. God was dealing with my heart. And I know my dad was praying for me. That morning God had to have been dealing. Been, been uh, talking to him and he was talking to my dad and my dad said God begin to knock on my son's heart's door begin to show him that there's a better life that there's a life in Christ Jesus that you love him and you redeemed him and you died to redeem him let him know your love let him know there's hope let him know there's a better life than sin and, and serving the devil begin to knock on his heart's door that's what God God did to me that morning on my way to school and it didn't be it began there it didn't stop there but it began there and God began to churn and stir in my spirit you need to go to church so I started going I started going here and there I even worked with people who were Jehovah's Witness but I never felt no life in that so I said that's not for me but I'm searching and looking for God I'm searching I'm like where is God I went to some churches they were dead I you know I I hung out with people. Did you know I love it? You know, God knows what He's doing. I remember sitting at the table and there was some Pentecostal girls. There wasn't any guys. There was three or four Pentecostal girls. And I'd be sitting there eating my lunch, you know. And they're down, you know, about from me to Sister Skiles. And they're going, man, we had church last night. Did you see what God did? Did you hear this message? And they're going on and on. And I'm just kind of going like this, you know. I'm listening to them. They said, God's a moving over it. Solid rock church church in Fenton, Missouri. I said, oh my goodness, my goodness, that's where I need to go. I'm listening to them. They're talking about God. They begin to witness to me. They begin to talk to me. And God begin to stir in my heart. God knows, amen, how to knock on the door of your children's heart. And mom and dads that are believing God for your backslidden children, pray. He knocks on their heart's door. Did not Jesus say, I stand at the door and I knock? Amen. He'll never force his way in, but he will knock. That moment would come. We pray for that moment that it would come, that they would encounter God and respond to his call. Mephibosheth was afraid because he did not know the covenant that was made. He did not know the blessing that awaited him. They don't know what they do not know. 
Let me say that again. They don't know what they don't know. But until you've known the love of God, you don't know nothing. One of my favorite songs, and I'm telling my kids right now, it better be sung at my funeral if the Lord tarries, or the Lord doesn't tarry and he takes us home. If I, if I go by the way of the grave, you better sing my favorite song. And it is my favorite song. It's not everybody else's, but it's mine. If you could own all the world and its money, build castles tall, Enough to reach the skies above. If you could own everything or know everything there was to know about life's gain, you'd know nothing until you've known the love of God. Until you've known His loving hand that reaches down to fallen man and lifts him up from out of sin where he has trod. Until you've known just how it feels to know that God is really real then you've known nothing until you've known the love of God. They don't know what they don't know. But when they know, I can tell you, they'll be in this altar, they'll be just like you, praising God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So many in here, you didn't know what you didn't know, but now you know. Some of you go, I don't, I, you know, this is all new to me. I'm new to this, but all I know is I know that it feels right inside. I don't know a lot about the vial. I don't know a lot about what all he's saying. I'm not proficient in that, but I know this much. I know that what I feel in that church is real. It's the Spirit of God. It's undeniable. Well, they don't know what they don't know. We never know the time that it will come, you know, when God's going to bring His promise to pass. In verse 6, I love this. I'm not going to preach all day, but stay here with me. In verse 6 of Samuel, 2 Samuel 9, verse 6, it says, Now when Mephibosheth, because they brought him in to David, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. There needs to be that humility and that submission. But see, what he did not realize is that David begins to speak to him and he said, Mephibosheth, what was it in David's speech or his tone or his spirit that caused Mephibosheth to say, behold thy servant? I'm telling you, the tender love of God's voice what was it that in the, in the garden tomb that Mary, when she heard Jesus speak, she said, Master, I can tell you, Jesus said in John 10, I know my sheep, my sheep know my voice. And he said, I name them by name. Everybody, God knows your name. Are you hearing me? He knows your name. He knows your name. He knows my name. I'm so thankful he knows my name. We have a father, a good, good father that knows our name. He said, I calleth my own sheep by name and I lead them out. And his sheep know his voice. All our kids or our spouses or whoever you're believing God to restore needs to hear is the sweet voice of the Savior and the shepherd. David said, fear not. In essence, what he was saying 
is it's not what you think, Mephibosheth. It's not as you think. I've not come here to lop your head off. Just the opposite. Amen. We got to pray, Lord, that you knock on their heart's door. That they hear your sweet voice. And that everything that they ever had in their mind that was, that was a misunderstanding or a misjudgment or a miscalculation of God. All of these things, this, this preconceived idea of how God was going to respond and what he was going to do, that that would fade away. And they would say, I just felt his love. I felt his love. He's a loving God. You know, he said, Mephibosheth, it's not as you think. He didn't say, Mephibosheth. No. He said, Mephibosheth. And he said, behold your servant. He probably felt like I'm so lame. I've been so far from this pasture. He doesn't want to have anything to do with me. That's not the case. The Bible says as many as received him gave he power to become the sons of God. I'm so thankful today that I'm his son. Nobody has to tell me I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Nobody has to tell me God loves me. I know he loves me. Nobody has to tell me I've got a father. I know he's my father. It's a beautiful thing. The Bible says in verse 7, he said, For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake. There's a covenant that was made, Mephibosheth, that you didn't even know about. But God knew. David knew. And he remembered. And he said, I'm going to restore the land. And you'll eat the bread at my table continually. You know, Joel 2.25 says, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the palmer worm. The caterpillar hath eaten and destroyed. I'll restore that. I'll give you beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Do you know at the king's table, at least in Solomon's case, there was, I'm not exaggerating, 22,000 oxen and 20,000 sheep whenever he had a dinner. When he had a dinner, there was enough food for everybody. Amen. Can you th think about that for just a second? Our God said, come and dine. You don't even have to catch the fish, boys. They're already here on the grill. There's already bread. It's toasted. The fish are cooked. See, even Jesus likes cooked fish. Amen. He probably never would ever eat sushi, but, you know, he's sitting here, and he's got this barbecue going on, and he said, come and dine. The master's calling, come and dine. Come. Do you have anything to eat? Because I got food here for you to eat. You don't even have to do anything. Just come. Just come. If you don't hear anything else, I say, listen to me. It is not a duty to serve God. It's a blessing. It's a privilege. Amen. But rather, well, I guess I got to go to church. Go punch in the time clock. Stay home. You might as well stay home. I'm going to tell you, I come because I want to be here. I come because I love to be in his presence and feel his spirit. Amen. But he said, boys, come and dine. Pull up to the king's table. 
know what happens at the king's table? There's food for everybody. Jesus said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Everything you'd ever need, anytime you ever need it, is in the work of the cross, the blood of Jesus, and the body of our Savior. Everything. Healings there. Restorations there. Deliverances there. Amen. 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 He'll even take away that desire for the things that were your addictions and he'll put a desire for for himself in your life to where you'll have the testimony like the house of Stephanus where he said they've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Amen. Are you hearing me? At the king's table, there's everything that you would ever need. There's food for everybody. Whosoever wants to come can come and dine. Are you hearing me today? Oh, but oh, Mephibosheth was lame on his feet. You know what I love about pulling up to the king's table? When you pull the table up here, you can't see nobody's feet. All you see is the blessedness of God and feasting on that. Being in His Word. Sitting, listening to the voice of your Savior. You know, I may not be the most theologically, you know, uh, 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 eloquent in my preaching or my study or whatever. But one thing that I have as a central theme and mission in my heart and my life is to make sure that people know They can have a deep relationship with God. That's what matters to me. You'll find God. You'll study. You'll know. You know, but when, you know, I've got up and I've tried to be eloquent. I've studied and had, you know, you know, a a message that was exegetical and hermeneutical and homiletical and all these other things and outlined just perfect. And people just sat there bored to tears. He said, just be you. Just get up and just preach and be you. And you know what? You know what? I know down deep and I may not know anything else but this much I know you can have such a deep relationship with God and it can be real and 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 my dad used to tell me a story about this old Indian this chief you know and he said uh, you know he, he was he was an Indian that got saved he barely spoke English and he said but he used to preach you know a one minute message two minute message and he said people would just be weeping he'd grab an orange pick a big old orange up and he'd say Indian Joe's heart used to be like this orange until Jesus came and began to peel away. And he'd peel, he'd talk about the things that the Lord touched him and delivered him from, you know, of sadness and sorrow. And he'd peel that orange layer by layer and he'd get to the end of that and he'd say, now Indian Joe's heart is like this orange and it's soft and it has, you know, flavor to it and it's sweet. And he said, that's what Jesus can do to your heart just like what he did to Indian Joe's heart I want you to know today that God is a covenant keeping God and he wants to change the heart of your children and so mom and dad this is for you today don't quit praying and remember the covenant that you made with God and he made with you your children will come through these doors there will come a point in time when they will be in this altar 
God will. He promises it in His Word. Don't give up. Don't hold back. Continue to proclaim that promise. Continue to believe Him. God said, this message today is for moms and dads that have children that are away. It's for husbands that have wives that are backslid and wives that have husbands that are away and backslid. God's promises stand true. You know how I know that? There's all over this building one testimony after another of what God can do in somebody's life. He can soften your heart. He can soften your spirit. He can restore you. He can heal you. And church, He's not done yet. No, no, no. He's not done yet. What God has begun, He will continue to do. Do you believe it today? If you do, stand to your feet. Do you believe it today? Begin to thank Him. Begin to pray. God, the promise You made, my house shall be saved. Me and my household shall be saved. My backslidden daughter's coming home. I don't care if she's lost. I don't care if she's on drugs. I don't care if she's an alcoholic. I don't care if she's a lesbian or he's a homosexual. I don't care if they're a stripper. I don't care where they're at. God is going to bring your children into the body of Christ and save them. But don't give up. Don't stop praying. Keep believing God. This is for you today. This is for you today. Amen. You're here and you say, Pastor, I'm going through something. I need a miracle. The covenant of God doesn't just apply to only your family coming to Christ. But whatever you have need of, begin to come and pray and seek God today. He wants you to hold on to that promise. There are people in this church, you're going through things in your life right now and it seems almost impossible. But God specializes in the things thought impossible. He looks at a situation and He says, I can breathe life into it. I can begin to bring life to it. I can begin to change it. That's the God that we serve. Come on, church. Come on, let's believe God. If you're going through something, you're believing God for a hopeless situation. Come and get in this altar. Lay here before God. He will save your family. He will save your children. He will bring the promise of God to pass. The covenant that He's made. There will come a knock on that door. There will come a knock on the door of their heart. My God. My God. My God. Church, let's believe God today. Right where you're at. If you, amen, are not a Christian, today is your day of salvation. God has come to knock on the door of your heart and He's saying, I love you. I want to save you. I want to change you. I want to heal you. I want to deliver you. You've got to believe Him today and you've got to step out in faith. So if you're not saved today, you're away from God today. Come! This is your day of salvation. Maybe you say, Pastor, you know what? I'm a child in the room that hasn't come to Christ or come back to Christ. Why don't you give your mama or your daddy today or 
your husband or your wife the greatest gift that they could ever have to see you walk down the aisle and get in that altar and say, God, I surrender my life today. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's going to happen. But step out and say, God, I don't want to be afraid. He's going to say unto you, I free you. You're free from your fears. You're free from all of this. Come, let God touch you. Be that answer to prayer today. Come, be that answer to your mama's prayer today. Be that answer to your, 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 your father's prayer today. Come, there's folks down here. They're going through it too. They're here with you too. Come, believe God today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, mashakata manda batahayabosi, ekota bayatahay, ikatahayabosi, yamakata mama manda batahayaboso, loshokata bayatahay. You say, I'm lame on my feet. Come up here to the king's table and pull under those feet under the table and just begin to partake from the Lord. Come, surrender your life. Come, surrender your life. You don't know how much time you've got. Don't linger one more second, but begin to surrender your life. Let God bring healing. Let God bring salvation. Let God bring the miracle. Cry out to Him today. Oh my God. My God, my God. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. 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 Oh, the Lord's doing something. You know what's so beautiful is that God knows what we don't know. He knows what we don't know. I never realized God was going to do this this morning. The devil tried to talk me out of preaching this, but God had a plan. God had a purpose. God had something He wanted to do. Come this morning. Don't let the enemy keep you there grounded. Stick stuck in your seat. But get up. Amen. Get up. Hallelujah. People, people today, God is doing something in here. Come on. Come on today. This is your day of salvation. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God.